0: Hi friends, and welcome to the Windcast. This is episode number five, and it is called A Mile Wide But Inch Deep. This is an exciting episode, as the title suggests, because this marks the very first interview of the Windcast. Very exciting stuff. History, my friends, <laughs> is in the making. I have mentioned before that a large inspiration behind this podcast, The Wincast, derives from another podcast called, surprise surprise, The Robcast. I know, I have an uncanny ability to be original when I desire. More specifically, however, the inspiration comes from the man behind the microphone, our friend Rob Bell. Now. After hearing this, some of you, who might be listening for the first time, might decide to disembark. That's fine. Be free. Yet, for those of you who remain, the entire reason I bring any of this up is to share that some of the most impactful episodes of the Robcast, for me at least, are the various interviews that take place along the way. Beautiful conversations, which transpire over numerous episodes, with people who are engaged in using their gifts and experiences to make the world a better place. People who are steeped in the process of recognizing and becoming more and more human, sharing their life as a witness to something greater, asking us to reflect and embody similar postures of humility so that we might continue to discover our connectedness to one another, rather than directing our energies to those things that unhealthily construct division. As you can imagine, for these reasons and many more, in correlation with the aim of this podcast, the WinCast, I want this episode to center on the interview itself. But briefly, I also want to provide some context, which naturally leads into the conversation you are about to receive. So. For those of you who remember, I think it was my first or second episode, I was briefly sketching my own story, uh, specifically how I came into contact with Nami Congo. Now, I'm not going to retrace that entire story, but beginning at my initial conversations with the leadership at Nami Congo, I came into contact primarily with this friend, or now friend, but The person who is in charge of it all and his name is Ben Hayes. My first conversation was with him, his brother Ryan, and another man named Eric. They were all three directors here at NAMI Congo, and it was a great first conversation. It was essentially kind of like an interview, get to know you kind of conversation, and after that uh, we moved forward in the process. And even though I kept in touch with Ryan every now and then, and I think I only had a brief conversation with Eric throughout the year that was to follow that initial conversation. Ben and I are the ones who stayed in contact the most in the year that I was prepping to move to Malawi. So, about every month, maybe not even that frequently, but about every two months, maybe, Ben and I would have a conversation, we would chat through video, of, through yeah, a video platform of some sort. We would connect, he would update me about what was going on here in Malawi and changes with the team and structure and different things like that. And that is who I kept in contact with throughout the entire year. So I got to know Ben more and more progressively as the year developed. And then to make a long story short, by the time I got here to Malawi, essentially Ben was the only one left here on the team in Malawi. Uh, Ryan and his wife and family had just moved back to the States in Lubbock where I was from. So it's actually, we traded places. And and I mean, he moved from Malawi to Lubbock and then about a month or so later, I moved from Lubbock to Malawi, it was kind of funny. And then when I got here, the other director, Eric, um, who I, I got to work with just for a brief couple of weeks, he ended up going home on furlough And then with situations kind of rising, when he got back home, he felt it best that it was better to stay. And I say all of this to you just to let you know. So, Ben and I had been developing a relationship over the year prior to me arriving in Malawi, and we started growing closer and closer, I think. But of course, when I finally arrived in Malawi, Ben specifically, but of course his entire family, Becca, Braylon, Brooklyn and Britain, their entire family, became a huge anchor point for me, a huge blessing in so many ways, right? And I can't even name or express all the ways, but to them, I am eternally grateful for their witness, for their hospitality, for their ability to help me integrate into Malawi in a very healthy way. And much of my journey in the last four months And my health, uh, that I've talked briefly about, and I think the last episode is a credit to their presence in my life. And it sounds a little dramatic, but it's not. Um, I think a lot can happen in four months, especially when you move to an entirely new place, uh, specifically a new country. And so, again, it, it might sound extreme, the things that I'm saying, but, you know, Ben and I specifically not only living in the same uh, area here in Zomba together, but our work life. It was one of those situations, very similar to the situation I had when I was working at Tova, Uh, shout out to Aaron Dawson, I had a boss, and it was one of those situations where it's like your boss is so cool, right, that uh, you guys actually just become really good friends, and then the line between boss and friend gets blurred, (laughs) and I've actually had that experience multiple times in my life and I've been extremely blessed by that but similar to Aaron and my experience at the coffee shop in Lubbock at Toba that is essentially exactly what happened here at Congo. I got to Malawi and Ben and I even though we knew each other and we had been developing a relationship over the year once we started working together I mean I just feel like and he might think differently I don't know But uh, I don't think I'm going to ask him that question in the interview, but I think it was one of those things we just synced. You know, we just, the working relationship, the working dynamic, we just, we work well together. And of course, there are so many other variables that go into that, but conversation led to conversation, which led to greater and greater connectedness and our ability to be open with each other. And again, I found myself in a situation where I was very blessed to have a boss that quickly became a very deep friendship, and again, to Ben, I am very thankful, and to his entire family. And uh, they're actually leaving Malawi here in the next couple of days, and so not having them here is going to be a very interesting development for me. And if I'm being honest, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a little hard. It's going to be a little sad uh, because I spend a lot of time with his family, and I've grown very connected to them in a very short amount of time. And so I think it'll be interesting to kind of see how the next couple of months play out. But I say all of this just to give you a brief context into the interview that you're about to hear, the relationship that we've been able to develop. And honestly, I just think you're going to be blessed by hearing some of his story and how he got here to Malawi, and just hearing some of his insights and wisdom but as I said before I want the primary emphasis and time of this podcast to be allotted to the actual interview itself so now my friends I think I will leave the rest of the interview to you know the actual interview all right so here we go hello everyone and welcome to the wincast today we have a very special episode because today, in the very brief history that is the WinCast, we have our first special guest appearance. We have our friend, Ben Hayes, joining us in the, uh, oh, I don't know, what do you want to call this, the, the, the kitchen, the kitchen, no, the dining room yeah. table. We're here at the, the dining room table, but uh, welcome to the Windcast Ben. Thank you
1: so much, Jonathan. Blessed yeah. to get to be here. Honored to be on your podcast. First guest, I think.
0: Yeah, first guest. I was going to say, we, we have our coffee, and that was actually going to be, that's the most important Namikongo thing. Congo coffee. Namikongo coffee, of course. And uh, yeah, so we are already, and I was going to, you already mentioned it, you are, yeah, you're the first guest. It's a very honored position to have. How do you, how do you feel? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, first podcast as well for me, so I, I feel very honored. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I've enjoyed all your episodes so far, <laughs> so I, I think uh,
0: this is a good place to start. All right. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, well, this is a fun thing for me. It's a new thing, and I hope for... I'm sure there's probably some listeners that are like, man, I'm already getting a little bit of tired listening to Jonathan. It'd be cool to like listen to somebody else. So, for those of you listening, this is your chance to uh, get to get to hear from somebody else. Um, I've already, in my introduction, talked to you a little bit about Ben and gave you a little bit of the backstory, so we're just going to jump straight into the interview and uh, go from there. So, Ben, uh, welcome again. Glad to have you here. Thank you. And I think I speak for all of us that we're excited that you're here to... Uh, impart some of your wisdom, some of your story with us, and yeah, so we're going to go right for it. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Now, I know I know you a little bit, but uh, tell us, uh, for those of you that don't, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe stitch together some of your story, and you know, how you came to be involved in the work that you're currently doing, specifically here at NAMI Congo. Okay.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, maybe before that, just a brief word. Okay, great. So, greetings to, to all of you. <laughs> um, I know you're all friends of Jonathan, our partners in some way in his journey here. And uh, so, I'm honored to get to, to share here. But I also just want to say that uh, what a blessing it's been to have Jonathan here at Nami Congo for these last three months. And uh, he's been a tremendous blessing to me walking through... Um, some new things, some good things, some challenging things, but um, as well as just ministry wise, I just want you to know that <laughs> your partnership with him is significant and wow. uh, he's making, making a, a big impact here. Wow. So I just want to preface with that. Well, that's, that's very kind. Thank you okay. so Thank much. You yep. <laughs> didn't have to do that. I appreciate sure. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to talk a little bit uh, kind of about my story, perhaps. So I was born in Africa, in Kenya. My parents were missionaries there for 14, they were there 15 years. I was there 14, moved back to Lubbock, Texas for high school, went uh, through high school there and then to Lubbock Christian University and then Texas Tech, got a degree in engineering with a minor in missions at LCU, Lubbock Christian. And then me and my wife, Becca, got married at the end of my college time when we moved to Houston. I worked for several years for an engineering company there But Beck and I had both always planned to do something in ministry. So we kind of said, we'll give it three years, and then after that, we'll start looking. And we had had the idea of pioneer Bible translators or uh, one of the translator groups. We were kind of thinking of pioneer type missions, going somewhere where nobody had been, and translating the Bible and learning a language, maybe even writing a language down, all of that. Um, But it was somewhere two years into our time in Houston that we got a call about NAMI Kongo, which at that point, I didn't know that NAMI Kongo had a deep, rich history in our family. Um, I should have known that and I knew some things about it, but but we got invited as the missionary here at the time was leaving and didn't know what NAMI Congo looked like. We had just started praying. We kind of said, oh, wow, well, we're two years in. You know, we're really connected to the church we were with there in Houston with Memorial and, uh, Situated enjoying enjoying things and said, oh, yeah, it's about it's about that time that we kind of said we'd start looking So we started praying and that's when this call came so that that kind of sounds like it should have been a pretty clear Pretty clear answer. It didn't quite come like that. It did in some ways But but Nami was very different than what we had thought in terms of ministry. Yeah And so it took time to kind of pray through it and we ended up gaining wisdom from those around us to kind of say you know, there's multiple doors to walk through. You don't just have to go uh, there, of course, to do ministry, which, which I know we would all know that. But um, at the same time, we were plugged in where we were. And so it was kind of, okay, God, we're going to start walking through this door. And if it's not the best direction, then we'll trust that it will close. And uh, so we did. We started going. About six months later, we started Agreeing that we'll we'll start that journey, and the door did not close, and it was it was pretty wide open, and our funding and uh, support came fairly quick, and about a year a year later, we were in Malawi wow. at the time, so that's kind of how we got here. You know, there's probably some other things that can be said about sure. that, but
0: so quick question, uh, you mentioned yeah, um, you said your parents were missionaries, you were born in Kenya, mm-hmm. and I think I knew this, but I don't think I've ever asked you maybe the direct correlation of maybe feeling that call to ministry? Because you went to a Christian, you got your degree in, in engineering, but you said you and Becca still felt like you were at least having conversations that ministry was the direction. Maybe, what was maybe the primary motivation, inspiration, thing that kind of drove you into that direction? Right, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, in ministry. I don't know if I've thought about it in those terms when I was in college. Okay. I was really inspired by a perspectives missions class that mm-hmm. I had taken, and uh, that was a big catalyst to kind of to reconsider what it would look like living cross culturally again. And I think missions can be a funny term, in the sense of um, what do we mean by that, and sure. what are we what are we doing with that, mm-hmm. but. Um that, that class really kind of got me thinking again, even though I'd grown up cross-culturally in a ministry context, I did not think that I would end up doing that again sure. until after this time period, and it really kind of, yeah, lit the fire to, I wouldn't say it that way. I would say it, it, it reignited a thought of what would it be like to live outside the U.S. somewhere. And so I would say initially that was some of it, having grown up in Africa, I was already kind of planted I was already a third culture kid, right? so I was already planted outside the U.S. and, and um, kind of had that longing, loved Africa, I love it. And uh, if there was a door open, we'd go back. The, the mechanical engineering path was thinking vocational missions. Like that I would end up working as an engineer somewhere and be able to do ministry or be connected with people in some capacity sure. um, on the side. And so not going as a supported person right, in that way. So that, um, that kind of changed. Becca had done some work in Uganda, worked with the missionary team as a teacher there. And so she, was, she had already been to Africa and she had also had the thought of what would it be like to go live uh, somewhere else. But that's kind of how that started going. I actually connected with a previous uh, missionary friend in Kenya who had done civil engineering. And he kind of advised, why don't you stay use the degree that you just got for a little bit, and then kind of go from there. So that's how we started moving that way. We had Pioneer and Wycliffe kind of come through at different times, whether at Texas Tech or otherwise, and kind of started thinking about that, and uh, that's how that direction started going.
0: Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's so interesting. So I'm actually learning new things here too. So I actually have taken the perspective class oh, yeah. also. Right. With, uh, some of, I think, people that have influenced us both pretty significantly. I went through it with uh, Tim and Rebecca Tally, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we did it together, and that's right. a whole other story. And then yeah. uh, I think, oh, what was the other thing you said? You said perspectives. Oh, Pioneer Bible Translators. Mm-hmm. That was actually a direction that me and we were kind of putting together a team. This is before I worked at the coffee shop at Toba. Mm-hmm. We were working on putting together a team it was me and a bunch of other people and pioneer bible translators seemed to be the initial direction that Uh we were going to Uh that we were going into also but then when i got the job at toba my perspective changed a bit and uh i was like coffee something Uh with business like kind of kind of like you with engineering i was thinking maybe more of a Oh, I don't know how do you say it. like a bivocational yeah. approach to mm-hmm. cross cultural work rather than just being <laughs> <clears throat> kind of like what you said. Uh, what what do you mean when we call ourselves a missionary? Yeah. Um, what does that look like? So instead of just being somebody that's sent to kind of do typical missionary ministry work mm-hmm. to have like more of a platform yeah. underneath it. Yeah. So, okay, well, yeah, that's interesting. That's fun. <laughs> I didn't know that
1: either. That's
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Okay, so. So you, you and Becca, you made it to NAMI Congo. What year was that maybe? 2012. 2012. July. Yeah. So the doors, you said, kind of seem to keep opening mm-hmm. and you guys were here in about a year funding everything. So like, I guess specifically, maybe tell us a little bit about the work that you have been doing um, in the last 10 years or so. and yeah. uh, kind of filling that gap, of course. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, interestingly, although it was very different than some sort of pioneer or, or, or mechanical engineering type deal, um, I've ended up in more of an administrative type role. So in a sense, a non-stereotypical missionary type role. And so NAMI Congo is a fairly large organization, depending on what, uh, what you're comparing it to. We currently, at the time, it was about 50 people on staff. Now it's 80 around. Uh, and so that's the medical side and then uh, church leadership and community development. Some of these things have grown in since we've been there. So I came in and, and part of how we got there, I would say, is is kind of just the need arose. And, um, you know, we were very connected in the U.S. and could have stayed and worked there and felt very good about that. Uh, but, but it was kind of like, well, there's a door and it's not to say nobody was going to go, but but sometimes that somebody is needed to fill a gap and that's kind of what happened and that's so that's how we that's how we got there and the role that that means that i stepped into was kind of a director role which is what the previous uh, missionary the previous person there held now that role itself has kind of developed more into an organizational type director role over the last 10 years but came in and worked alongside existing staff and ministry leaders and through prayer with them as we started looking at the future and strategy for where we wanted to go. uh, After a kind of concerted time of prayer, what came out of that was our church leadership training, Bible training needs to be more holistic in a sense, needs to have uh, some component of skills training, needs to be taught in English here for things to be recognized, although Chichewa is the vernacular, English is the accredited language, so to speak it's the the language in the government so anything taught in english is more valuable so that was another component and then just saying like ministry as a whole we need to find ways to be sustainable in malawi so those were kind of the three directions that we ended up going how do we do more holistic approach to ministry which we were doing in some ways which previous missionaries had done but how do we build on that how do we change our teaching school into uh, something in english and then how do we be more sustainable so each of those components kind of developed. We added teammates. My brother and his wife joined us about a year and a half later. They had come from Kenya where he was working with microfinance. So again similar in the sense of we we both had ideas of doing things other than uh, typical ministry, putting quotes on that. Sure. Um, but they came in, made a massive impact on starting a village savings and loans program and community health evangelism in different ways, ways of targeting the community and finding a need and helping to meet that need. And then a few years later, another teammate, um, Eric Gephardt, joined and uh, he helped take on what was developing to be more of a discipleship training institute it's what we call it sure. now. And um, I can talk about that later, sure. but, but that's, my, my role ended up being working with those two guys as directors themselves. And then I had kind of the senior leadership staff team that, which included administration, human resource, finance, that was where I spent a lot of my time. I would teach uh, in some capacity on the weekends or preach, uh, but, but largely
0: it was in the office working with staff. Okay. And um, that's going to work. Start it. So I'm going to put you on the spot before I ask you another question about the admin stuff. Uh, what was it like to uh, work side by side with your brother? In ministry. Was that was that what was that experience like? Because yeah. we know I think Ryan's gonna listen. To yeah, I'm it, so sure you to if he's i, know, I you have to be very with yours. I know. Well we
1: were we were all warned sure. when that happened. Okay. To say you guys really ought not to do this. You know? Um,
0: there was conventional wisdom telling yeah, you otherwise, right. okay.
1: Um, funny yeah. enough, Ryan and I have worked together in a couple other jobs through college, just uh Smaller stuff, but we had done stuff together. And again, similarly, they met a really big need that we had at the time. And it was, uh, you know, very, like I said, prayerfully led. And then they were just leaving Kenya as we were finishing that strategic plan. And so they came in. And so, yeah, it was, um, it was great. We, we see they were here eight years total before they left just earlier this year. And uh, it, was, it was really good. It was me and Ryan for a while. And uh, so I've got a lot of good memories of that time. It feels like a long time ago. Um, working together with staff, of course. Um, of course, it has its challenges. Sure. And um, I would say we made it through a large section of time without any significant challenges. Okay. And uh, this last couple years, we've started a whole lot of projects that were kind of visions to be carried out that we've been working to, towards for a long time. And so inherently that brings with it a lot of challenges, regardless of who's on the team sure, and sure. working. Of course. And so we met we met some of that. But overall it was a it was a blessing, it was a blessing for our kids right. to have their, you know, have cousins, yeah. Yeah. have family here. Right. As I mentioned, this is connected to the Hayes family. Okay. And um, the first missionaries were aunts and uncles of ours. Okay. So coming in, and I could say this uh, in a different context, but coming in with the Hayes name uh, is a massive thing, just okay. by way of in Africa, everything's very communal and relational, and so the fact that you know we can say, okay, yeah, this is this is Ben Hayes, and automatically because of the relationship Nami Congo has with the network of churches here, that automatically communicates something. Because okay. first missionary was Hayes and Shelburne, and um, so they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, we know you, and automatically some component of trust comes in. Okay. So me and Ron getting to maybe kind of experience that together, I think, okay. is pretty neat
0: pretty good yeah okay well so i actually i think i didn't know that either because i think i learned your parents names and so i was always under the assumption that it was different hazes that were here before y'all so i didn't know that there was that connection so that generational connection you're saying kind of at least for a malawian context kind of gave you a little bit more of a I don't know if impact is the right word but influence maybe yeah know. and i don't
1: i don't know if it's even that as much as it is just connection okay and and yeah maybe impact but not not necessarily um trust in some way sure um where it's just like yeah we know these people they are connected to namikongo because they're part of this family and um uh, and and then it, even in just the more basic sense of you go somewhere and you say hey, is, oh Hayes we go Hayes uh, welcome, welcome welcome okay and um, so even just being received in okay you know it was uh, impactful gotcha. it's really neat kind of unforeseen I did not expect that I did not expect our family history connection to be as impactful as it was and a neat thing to step into a work or a you know, just. A, a thing, an event, you know, something that's been going on for a long time, yeah. and realize that you have deep roots in it that you didn't really know you had.
0: Okay, so very cool. cool. Alright, so going, going back a little bit, you just mentioned generally your work, especially kind of getting into it, and definitely as it uh, progressed over time, the administration role was just, that was the main emphasis of kind of like what you've been doing here. Is that what you saw yourself doing initially when you came to Malawi and if so or if not how did that I don't know how did that affect you as a person as far as like the work that you maybe had previously envisioned coming in Mm. to the country how did that change things for you yeah that
1: also is a good question (laughs) um yes and no when I was told I was coming to a director position I automatically kind of assumed there was going to be a lot that I don't know I uh, don't know what that means exactly and, you know, what, what all kind of shape will that take? So in that sense, I was kind of ready for it, but but in another sense, not quite. Um, the managing of people, um, previously, you know, I've done engineering, so I just get to work with numbers <laughs> and I'm given a problem and you work on it and it usually has a fairly quick solution, <laughs> or at least there is an end right. to it, right. which is not the case. Yeah. In uh, this kind of leadership people. position, and people, yeah, um, somebody, somebody said, um, "What how's it go?" Um, ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Right, right, right. Yeah, which uh, has to include all of us. <laughs> sure, we as leaders are part of that problem, right? But uh, yeah. you know that that uh, getting used to just being in a position where you are overseeing people, not to mention the cross cultural component. Sure. and I I did come in while my role has been director, we came in with the mindset more that it's more facilitating, not, uh, not the person over everything. And we started to kind of form that with the team to kind of create committees and um, a, an executive committee in a sense that really made all the decisions so that it wasn't me making decisions because there could be a lot of reasons why that's not a great idea. Um, but but also just, we, we came in with that mindset. And of course, looking back now, there's a bunch of things I might do differently and uh, might have tried to reorient some of the structure and where, we, where I fit into that. But overall, that's kind of been my role is to kind of maintain connection with the U.S. and uh, help provide resource and opportunity for staff here. All of the ministry is done by Malawian ministry leaders we have we have some uh, somebody a a local staff member in all of the key leadership positions and so the ministry is done by them and we're collectively just kind of helping to uh, set a vision and work together as we move through that so yeah and maybe in short to that uh, it's been a learned thing for sure right Uh, been a journey of a lot of Making mistakes, <laughs> some, some, some successes, some good decisions. I think early on, I kind of had this picture of like a journey of dependence mm. um, on God to, to continue to realize that I was not, not just not inadequate in the sense of not the person for the job, but um, though I mean that, that thought could always come in, but also in the sense of like it's going to need consistent strength and wisdom to do this and sure. to work and just simply to live cross-culturally. Right. You know, it's just not, um, it's not an easy thing and it requires right. a lot of humility and uh, so, that's a little more sure than maybe you asked there but that's kind of okay. perspective on it.
0: Yeah, so, I guess maybe getting into the ministry itself, at least for you, whether you coming into Malawi was always, whether whether it was the thing that you thought it was going to be or not going to be, you talk a little bit just now about how it kind of stretched you this way and that um but generally speaking what is it about the work of ministry or maybe you can be more specific what is it about the work that is taking place here at NAMI Congo that uh I'll just use the words I think I've Mm. put on this podcast. The listeners are familiar with the quote, Howard Thurman, right? Mm. What is it about this work, about the vocation of ministry that kind of makes you come alive? Why ministry? Why NAMI Congo? Those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Another, another great question. Um, So I, I could say several things to that. First of all, for me, I will will contextualize the ministry component in NAMI Congo and in Malawi. Sure. Coming to Africa is a, I love Africa. Okay. And um, not to be cliche, but I love the people here. And I would say that I've grown to, not in the sense that I did before, but as I've grown to know the stuff that we have, just been amazed by just the incredible talent and the incredible giftedness of each of these people. And I always think about that, and especially and you do as you, you move from one culture to another. What if, what if I had been born here? What if one of them had been born in the U.S.? Right. What would our lives have looked like? Cause the skill, I mean, you know, just, just phenomenal, Basically, phenomenal yeah. gifts here, right? Yeah. So that, that's been really neat to okay. kind of, to grow and learn and, and, and just partner with hmm. staff as we go through. So that, that's some bit of it. And I think people, it probably ends up being why you stay at a place, um, sometimes can be why you're not at a place, okay. but 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 people are just really impactful. And so that that's one component. The other thing And I think specifically with NAMI Congo, what I was told coming in, well, first, for our heritage, Churches of Christ, you know, at that time, and I think still true probably, there's more Churches of Christ per capita in Malawi than any other country in the world. Right. So, of course, the question then becomes, why are you? Sounds (laughs) like there's enough happening there. Sounds like the work is done. (laughs) Yeah, what is is the need? Exactly. And um, it was kind of phrased to me at the time as, yeah, a mile wide, but inch deep type mm-hmm. deal. And so I think, well, well I'll say Nami Congo's, in my view, and, I, and this hasn't changed much in the years that I've been here, Nami Kongo's primary purpose for existence is to be a voice of grace in the midst of just a large, uh, a large area of uh, areas, not the word, large group of congregations a large, a large ministerial area as it relates to churches and the like um, and let me quote let me add to that to say one, one thing unique about Nami Kongo is is its influence uh, it's hard to explain if you haven't lived here for a while but but so there could be 25 2000 about 2000 congregations that have some connection with Nami Kongo that were either planted by people who went through the the Bible school that helped start this place, or just through connections over the, over the years, or just through kind of the relational affiliation. So we're in Southern Malawi, and uh, so there be connections in Central and Northern. But but Namikongo just has a large network of people in right. churches right. that look to Namikongo for guidance and for assistance, and uh, for you know uh, assistance with church conflict or whatever it is. And so that's a pretty neat thing to step into a place that has that much network and that much stability over 60 years. And I didn't know all that, but I knew just like anywhere where you have a lot of churches or people, you have the potential for legalism Mm -hmm. and grace is kind of the center of our faith. Sure. And it's easy to forget that. Right and um, it's easy to, to become lost. Mm. If we're talking about like Luke 15 uh, parable of Jesus where you've got two lost sons and a compassionate father. You know, there's two different ways to be lost. You can be lost out in the wilderness, so to speak, or right. selfishly kind of doing your own thing, or you can be lost in the father's house. Um, and that probably looks more like self-righteousness and pride. Sure. And, and funny thing is we get all, um, I had somebody say to me early on, we're all legalists to some degree. It's just gra- it's grace that we don't understand. Mm. And that's that's stayed with me. Because that's true. And that doesn't matter if, if that's Christianity or or if we're talking liberals or conservatives, whatever, you can have a legalistic liberal right. or legalistic conservative, you know, whatever categories you wanna you want to use, that can be part of all of us. And so just knowing that Nami Congo's one of its primary works here was to be a voice of grace and to to help in spiritual growth. That has been a been a passion of mine in a sense to, to be a passion for unity and for grace. Mm. And with Don Becover doing
0: that, that was a major drilling factor mm. to being here. Okay. Cool. So yeah, it's almost like grace doesn't really make sense for m- most of us, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah, I think yeah. we were we were recently at a uh a camp meeting together, which that takes a whole lot of language to kind of explain what that is to these uh, to to the listeners here, right? Uh, but essentially, uh, Ben and I we we went we drove about two hours outside into this this village area, and it was a women's camp meeting. And Ben was actually teaching on Luke fifteen, and something that stuck with me, kind of like what you were just talking about, was this idea that you can be, especially in the position and the posture of the older son. You can be so close to the Father, right? You can be inside the Father's house, but uh, proximity doesn't necessarily determine uh, your heart's orientation. You can be so close, but you can be so far away at the very same time. And I think, um, I think, I think you're right. I think, regardless of the tradition of faith that you come in, or regardless of the spiritual upbringing. We, we are so easy to uh, categorize ourselves. Once we have it, <laughs> yeah. we can easily become, oh, just like you said, self-righteous, yeah. right? And right. we can use that as a way of feeling superior towards others. Anyways, yeah. I don't want to go too much on right. that. so no, that's, that's well said. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really good. Okay. Yeah. So that was Nami Congo in particular. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on what you think... Like, why ministry? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah,
1: and back to your question of what makes me come alive. Right, yeah. Um, so, and, and some of those things do. Okay. They, they bring life sure. to me. But I, I would say in the time here, the thing that I've loved, okay, the thing that I've loved the most or perhaps that I really have enjoyed a lot is getting to be present when God does something in someone's life mm-hmm. in terms of maybe taking, whether it's kind of a realization of some truth they hadn't seen before or it's a step forward from something that was kind of hindering or holding back. And I know that can be kind of metaphorical, but but in essence, either getting to witness that, um, and we've had that context where we'll we'll just, we have what we call a journey group and it's just a group of people that we kind of uh, were together together uh, regularly spend significant time together kind of just listening and learning from each other's lives and, and when you're present for one of those moments where something happens, or if you get to be a part of it in the sense of like teaching or Or preaching and you can see it or somebody, you know, grab something that they hadn't grabbed before. Mm. I think that is just a really really powerful thing mm. and something that I've loved and some of it just happens in conversation with people um have several staff members with with whom I've journeyed over these years and myself grown, and we've kind of come to realizations together that kind of break past maybe a previous boundary mm-hmm. that existed. and I, that's just a really phenomenal thing. Mm-hmm. So that is um, I guess that can be done anywhere, sure, right? yeah, And that's where even defining missions or ministry is uh, you know not difficult, but but doesn't have to be within uh, maybe. What a per- the way the way those sound, it can take place in any context, anywhere, and for me, that's been able to happen
0: over here, sure, which has been been a lot of fun. Okay, so, like, what I'm hearing from you is maybe ministry at least a, a, a variable of it for you that brings life is being able to kind of engage and experience uh, the process of man, people's. And, and to help even facilitate people's uh, inner inner work or inner transformation, yeah. maturity, self-turning, I don't know how maybe to encapsulate all that, but yeah. being able to be a part of that process for people. Yeah, yeah. that's right, yeah, okay. again, well said. Okay, yeah. cool, that's good. good Um, So getting a little bit away from the ministry work at NAMI Congo and kind of like why Why you do what you do. Maybe a little bit more focused on Africa in general. Um, Maybe, and this is, again, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I asked you this question, but like, what are maybe some challenges? They can be personally Mm -hmm. related. They can be ministry related. They can be family related. But like, what are some things that have really challenged you and forced you to grow in ways that maybe you didn't expect. What well, I don't think mm-hmm. any of us expect those moments. Yeah, but like, right. yeah. So what are what are maybe some examples of yeah. how Africa has changed you? Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's another great question. I keep saying that. Um, so growing up in Kenya, I had this assumption. I think that coming to Africa would be. I would know about it. <laughs> I've already done it. It's going to be fairly easy. You know, I'm going to integrate well. Right and uh, early on, I think Becca, she, after her time in ministry in Uganda, because I was just a kid in Kenya, she came back and like told told me a few things that I actually didn't know about Africa. And it was a real <laughs> moment of oh no, I don't know as much as I think I know. And my wife's only been there a year and a half, and she knows some things I don't know. And so that kind of prepared. But I think I think as far as growth goes and challenges, the the. Posture of having to constantly be a learner like Mm. infinitely here has been hard. Yeah, and to never This is from my experience to never really get to a place where you feel like, you know, Mm. for sure for sure uh, The culture or how people are expected to respond in a certain situation I think I've felt that over the years Mm. there's the flip side of that where it's beautiful like language And how language and culture work together Um, I'm not as fluent as I would like to be but what I do know it just it's just really neat to get to to be somewhere long enough to see all the beauty in another culture right so that's that's that side of it but it brings with it the stress of kind of always being an outsider to some Mm -hmm. degree and and quite simply being a white person here just comes with a lot of connotation and I don't again my experience at this point I Mm -hmm. might make it mostly impossible to fully connect with people the way i would like to i think i expected to for that for that to happen more to have um not deep friendships because i do have friendships here but but um you know just a connection there that that maybe has just been harder to achieve Mm. than i thought was going to be here so what that i think maybe is forced to do forced me to do is just that um realize yeah with with humility, that you're gonna always have to learn, and and to maybe just accept, you know, some things that are difficult to change. Sure. And uh, and then enjoy what right. is there to enjoy.
0: Okay. So two two quick things for the listeners. Uh, one, it's this this happens a lot when you're kind of in the conversation of missions. Anyways, we sometimes get in the habit, and I do this still all the time, where when we say the word Africa, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't realize <laughs> yeah, right. how big like, a continent yeah, <laughs> Africa right. is, but we talk about it as if it's just like one country where all cultures and yeah. languages are simultaneously connected. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny hearing like, yeah, you grew up in Kenya, but your wife, Becca, she was in Uganda. She's telling you things you didn't think you know. And then of course I even asked the question, I was like, you know, tell us some of the things that Africa in a, in a way has challenged you. But, and, and really, I mean, that's a blunder on my part, right? Cause it's Malawi doesn't represent yeah. uh, Malawi. <laughs> the country. Malawi doesn't yeah. represent Africa in like in total. Right. And so like, it's actually a very small country. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's just interesting. I think it's just something that we do, but yeah. going more into, and again, I'm going to press a little bit more into mm-hmm. this. You were talking about how like maybe you specifically being white, how that has maybe affected mm-hmm. relationships. Um, for our listeners who don't know much about maybe traditional African culture or uh, specifically Malawian culture, yeah. um, could you maybe give us some like practical wait like examples of why that might be a hindrance, like why your we'll say why your whiteness yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. maybe causes infraction uh, in relationship building? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um. <laughs> so uh, of course it'd be. Uh, Want to be really careful. Sure. I to say some of this right. in the sense of uh, not stereotyping, and so yeah, trying to make it as practical as possible. We've got I a think, lot of grace here. So yeah, no that's true. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay. um, so I think uh, primarily it would have to do with component. Okay. Right? Right. Automatically being white communicates money, mm-hmm. and in a culture, and not and this is where I don't think it is just Malawi, but but I'll speak for Malawi. Where money is perceived very differently than in the U.S., and it is very relational. And in the U.S., we don't typically we don't associate the same kind of things with giving money to someone or the, feel the obligations that exist here. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody is, you know, if somebody comes into any money, it's automatically accessible by every other family member mm-hmm. in the sense that they can come and ask for it. And um, so that creates its own challenges, and it's also a, a really neat thing in its own way of how communal things are. But, but what that means is, is that um, being white, being wealthy, you, you are a resource, and if you have any relationship with anybody, um, there is some component of, of that relationship that's based on mm-hmm. the exchanging of resources. Right. And so being the one with more resource automatically puts you in a position where you may not want to be, uh, but in a couple ways maybe, but, but maybe primarily in the sense of not wanting to be the one who is seen as um, higher, so to speak. Sure. It's hard to put yourself on level ground with people. Mm. And so that would be one of the primary ways. Okay. You, and that and happens even just in, in the church. Right. Um, there's a connotation with being a missionary here that you, base, you get respect just by being here. And that can be a thing that is good, but can also be difficult to always be kind of respected in that sense. Because to be respected, then you're kind of kept at a distance as well. So, both of those would be, I think, examples of how that practically plays out.
0: Oh, that's great. I think it's so interesting, you know, me being here for only four months. So, obviously, you have a lot more wisdom and insight to give. But I think one of the, I think I've mentioned this to you before, but one of the, best books that I read concerning just African culture, generally speaking, was uh, there's a book that I highly recommend it. for anyone listening and they're interested in learning a little bit more of how money and culture are kind of infused in a very different way in the world compared to us in the West. There's a book called African Friends and Money Matters. It's an excellent resource. It's a very thick book, but it really has been interesting even in the short time that I've been here to experience how those economic realities mm-hmm. Are so infused. I think that's the word. I'm just going to stick to so infused into relationship building here. And at one level, it's it's fine, right? Uh, It's very different, but it's very odd because, right? Like in our American friendships, generally speaking, money is almost never a conversation that is brought up unless it's like a dire emergency between like a really trusted friend or family member. But finances are usually kept. You know, so private, and yeah, here it's right. like it's it's just the way of life. it's just a part of relationships in general, and so it can be really confusing, it can be really disorienting because at some level, especially at least in my short experience too people are always coming coming up to you for, for requests, mm-hmm. and so at some level you know are there are the requests genuine? <laughs> you start mm-hmm. to question yeah. uh, you begin to become maybe a little bit hypercritical of how many requests. Uh, come to you and yeah you kind of have to figure out and balance out uh, those dynamics and not that I've been able to do that well at all but it's just one of those interesting realities like at at first it's I don't even know if this right word at first it's kind of like you and you were talking about respect and it's just like respect is really nice but again coming from an American mindset like we want to be treated equally Mm -hmm. like everybody else so it's weird Mm -hmm. when we're when you're constantly going everywhere and the spotlight is always put on you if there's chairs around the table, you get a chair at the table, but your co-workers don't. Yeah, um, right. And it's just because, yeah, you're fulfilling that traditional missionary spot. But more particularly, I mean, it's really because you're you're white, you're yeah. not Malawian. Right, yeah. And that's frustrating, yeah. I think. And at least it has been for me, because, again, like, I'm like, no, we should all be equal. Let's, mm-hmm. like, all sit on the ground and right, let's yeah. all eat in SEMA together. Let's all, like, you know, why, why separate... <laughs> so that's just been interesting just yeah. a
1: few reflections yeah on right and that. yeah i think i think you being newer here it was helpful <laughs> kind of having that conversation and i hadn't really made the realization of that stark difference with us relationships and money and the one here and uh it is interesting in that because um it's an entire different entirely different way of viewing money yeah and we just even even me which even though i was a kid of course i didn't deal with that a lot but but um, it's hard to right. switch yeah. and get used to it. But the funny thing is, there's, there's some really good things about it. Sure, it's
0: not like we in the West have it all sorted oh, right. with money, but um, it is just challenging. It is challenging. Yeah. It can be very it's stressful. Time. But there's definitely, I think, and that's what the book points out too, as different as it is. There's a lot of beauty yeah. in it, and uh, there's a lot of reasons behind why the differences are there, especially, mm-hmm. especially at, like a systemic level, which yeah. is just really fascinating. Um, yeah. right. I think he was able to connect a lot of dots for me that I think was able to help me develop a little bit more empathy yeah. in the differences here. Yeah. So I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of for us listening, um, maybe there are people on the other end of this uh, other end of this mic. They've got their headphones plugged in. They're going on a run. They're driving, whatever way that they are listening to this podcast. Maybe uh, they are interested in maybe pursuing ministry. Maybe even ministry cross culturally. Mm. So again, putting you a little bit on the spot as we kind of wind down our time here. Maybe some advice, like if you could offer, maybe some advice of people wanting to serve yeah. uh, in ministry in some, whatever that capacity looks like. It doesn't have to be specifically related to Malawi or anything, yeah, but right. maybe, you know, because there's a lot of issues with the church everywhere, right? Yeah. But in the West, things are, seem to be a little bit more fragile depending yeah. on where you find yourself. So maybe even daunting, right? So maybe what are, what are some things you can offer that might be helpful or encouraging to people right. who are maybe pursuing a more vocational ministry path?
1: Yeah. Well, I would say, of course, I think your posture and whenever you're going to do whatever you're going to do is really important. What I've what I've seen in the 10 years we've been here is even in the U.S., the missionary title comes with a lot of clout, Mm. like, oh, thank you so much for what you're doing, you know, your sacrifice and all that. And I'm I'm you know, that's that's a I greatly appreciate that. And um, I know that's a there is some com- component of that that's true sure. in terms of having to leave family and the like but um, one thing i think i've seen through it is that that discipleship doesn't missionary doesn't equal discipleship mm-hmm. right or doesn't equal spiritual growth or however you want to talk about that okay. as you said earlier the inner work has to be done no matter where you are mm-hmm. so i would say one thing i think that maybe has been helpful or you know could grow in would be to be con- to be content where you are in terms of moving to a new place isn't necessarily going to change everything mm-hmm. um, if so so focusing on what you can do where you are and then and then moving from there mm-hmm. if, if it is clear that you know you have an opportunity to go somewhere realizing that you're still going to have to do the same work mm-hmm. when you get to that place yeah. now you know, you've shared your journey, which has been really cool to hear about how changing <laughs> locations has made a difference right. in some ways. Right. And um, I remember Jim Beck saying, saying something about that in, uh, in one of the missions classes that sometimes you have to change your, your play places, play things, play people hmm. sometimes to, to get um, for things to change. You do have to make some drastic changes sometimes. Sure. And there was context for that, but that, that's kind of stayed with me that, yeah. You know, Sometimes it is just necessary to, to switch. So that could be the case, but still just to also realize that yeah, once you get wherever you're going, it's daily work to, to be a disciple. I could, I've been, <laughs> at, been at NAMI Congo and I could just work and be, at, be an administrative person right. without doing anything mm. ministry-wise or without doing anything that's growing spiritually. Mm-hmm. So posture, I think moving is one thing. The other thing is, I don't depending on what, where you may be going or what the next step may be the duration but learning the language Mm -hmm. is um really cool yeah and if you're going to be there for a while i would say we were advised Mm -hmm. this and just didn't really do it very well but i wish i had (laughs) okay to to say especially if you know you're going to stay for a while but even if not to uh, focus on language first and don't let the feeling like but you got a million things you have to do, right. and you've got to, you know, you got to, you got to be doing what people sent you there to do, right. or, you know, it may be different if it's vocational. You do have work to do right. that uh, requires your time, but to try and put time into, into language right. because it's beautiful right. and it's, um, it does connect you, and you learn expressions and proverbs and ways that people think, and mm. it's a, you can't learn a culture I don't think without language All Right. Um, so something I wish I would have done more thankful yeah. for what we could do but
0: sure. maybe those two things well, I feel like you're talking about languages if you it, almost in a way like as if you haven't really done a lot of work I mean for those of you listening Ben preaches fully in Chichewa <laughs> I mean he's I mean, I, I you yeah. probably wouldn't say you're entirely fluent, but I mean, you're not not fluent. I yeah. mean, you you can speak to very true. very well and understand yeah. like so. You're very connected. Yeah. To to the people <laughs> in that way. So. When I say that, I think
1: it's more um, some of the deeper understanding that comes with it uh, okay. some of the expressions and, and things like sure. that that uh, a longer time and perhaps more focus sure. on that i got quickly into the director role uh, and uh, i think more time with that would have been beneficial sure. but you know a growing thing all the same yeah been good but yeah, yeah thanks for
0: that yeah absolutely yeah. yeah can't can't let you be too <laughs> humble right can't let you come <laughs> off too humble yeah, yeah so i think uh man yeah you're just talking about inner work and i think that's been really fascinating yeah i think just briefly, in my case, detachment from old mm-hmm. ways of life really worked for me, but I've also heard stories of people who have gone over cross-culturally, like you said, and they thought it would change everything, mm-hmm. and it actually just sends them deeper mm-hmm. into the pit, whatever that pit is for them, and I think we each have pits that look differently. So it's a really funny thing, and maybe it was just a time of life, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'll we'll see grace was aiding me maybe in a little bit of, a little bit along the way but yeah I think that's really important just like with inner work it doesn't matter whether you come from the Jesus tradition the mm-hmm. Christian faith or any kind of spiritual tradition there's there's an inner work that I think all of us have to dedicate the hard time to cultivating we've been talking a lot about this specifically in the context of the Enneagram really yeah. recently and that's a whole nother whole conversation, we won't open <laughs> that or yeah, really. floodgate, flood but yeah, it's really, it's really, really interesting. So, okay, moving forward, this is some of my, one of my final questions, I think. Um, you and your family, uh, mm-hmm. you guys are getting ready to transition back full-time into the United States after 10, 12 years of being here mm-hmm. in Malawi. Um, so maybe as you guys are getting ready to leave, uh, and you're actually you not just getting ready. You're about to take a three month break to the US. You're leaving this upcoming Friday uh, to go back, see family, visit churches, those kinds of things. So as you begin transitioning back uh, to the US, what are maybe a few things that you will miss most, maybe about Malawi, maybe about NAMI Congo, yeah. uh, and maybe what are some new things or maybe familiar things mm-hmm. that you've had to leave behind that you are excited about as you begin to really cultivate a new life back in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. When? It's um, <laughs> a big question. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's a good <laughs> one though.
1: I, so I've, I've said it, I love, love Africa. Right now it's hot season here in Malawi. And so that looks, uh, change in color in trees and stuff is always fascinating to me here versus the U.S. where you have mm-hmm. leaves changing color in the fall, but here like trees flower. So purple, purple trees, jacarandas and flame trees that are red and yellow trees. And that's right now. And I, lo- I love it. <laughs> and I specifically love the change of hot season and the rainy season mm-hmm. and just the, the heavy downpour of rain mm-hmm. and what that's like. So I, I love that. That's kind of about the place. Um, I love the food. I'm gonna miss the food. Yeah, yeah, and um, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna miss being near Nami Congo Coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then of course, uh, staff. Every time we go on furlough, um, it's you kind of recognize the good relationships that exist there. Yeah. And uh, so that will that will be for sure. Right. But but um, overall with Af- with Malawi, kind of this slower pace of life in a sense, work is always feels super busy. So there's always that but uh, just the context, there's less happening all the time. Sure. And part of that's just like functional, like things do not, are not open till 7, 8, 9 PM. Most most places in Zomba where we live. Right. So it means we're at home and that means we're home as a family. So I have loved that. And it's been a great context and place, I think for our kids to grow up, but you know, moving into the US, there will be opportunities in that way that will be both challenging and uh, but also good, yeah. and I'm excited for that for our kids to get to integrate into another culture. Mm-hmm. I'm so thankful that they've had this experience. Yeah. Our kids are eleven, nine, and seven. Mm. Uh, Great kids. I by hope, the way. Yeah. Great thank kids, you. By the I hope yeah. I got that right. I'm saying <laughs> that, I'm saying that right. fast. That <laughs> sounds right. Um, so they but they've spent their whole lives here. We've been here ten years, yeah. and so this would be the first time, of course, they've experienced furlough, but first time to integrate and live. So excited to see that happen! Hmm. I'm excited for Dr. Pepper and <laughs> Mexican <laughs> nice. food, okay, and some of those things that are not here, right, in a good way, mm. and fountain drinks, bottom like bottomless, oh, wow. you know, because that's not a thing here. Yeah. So I'll, right. I'll look forward to that. Yeah. Um, but then, but then, you know, just what the challenge will be of um, reintegrating. Finding ways to continue some of those things that, that kind of bring life here, there. Because people are everywhere, obviously. So, what will that look like? I don't right. know exactly. Yeah. Um, and what will continued? I'll be continuing with Nami Congo for a while mm. from the US, at least for a period. And so, to kind of shift and do that stateside and then see from there, um, it's all exciting and mm. challenging. Um, even though I may not know all of you, talking to all of you on the <laughs> listening at the moment, appreciate prayer as we do that. Yeah,
0: but uh, but yeah, looking forward to. It. Okay, yeah, I think the stirring in my heart, the thing that I miss the most in the last only I've only been here four months, but a Chick Fil A sandwich oh, sounds yeah. pretty damn good. That's right? right <laughs> that uh, yeah, I like... should have said five guys,
1: <laughs> hamburger too. Oh, okay.
0: And yeah, that sounds good. There are yeah. just, yeah, those things that pop up and you're like, man, I. Yeah. I could really, yeah. I could really do some chick fil really nice right style, now. I, thought, yeah. I need to sure. of that by now. Yeah. It's funny how many of them are food related. <laughs> it is, right? It's almost kind of like thing. it's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's right. crazy. Yeah. Um, all right. So as we kind of wind down our conversation, uh, for those of you that are listening uh, here on this episode uh, and are interested possibly in staying connected with Ben, uh, whether that has anything to do with ministry related, Namikongo related, whatever it is. Maybe you just want to send him a note of encouragement, whatever that might be. Um, what is a good way, Ben, that people might be able to connect with you, stay connected with you, maybe continue a conversation? Yeah, thanks. Um,
1: so, my, maybe the easiest way would be email. Okay. My email is ben at namikongo.org. Sure. Okay. You can put that in your notes. Sure. Yeah. Somewhere. Um, or through Facebook, uh, Becca his Facebook page, Ben and Becca. Ben and Becca Hayes. Yeah, something like that. I'm sure you can find us. <laughs> right. Uh, then we also will, we send out every so every couple months we send out a newsletter about Nami Congo, and it has some to do about our family, but usually it's about Nami Congo. But that'd be one way to be connected to what's happening here, Okay. and to to kind of see where things are going. Yeah, uh, those be the main ways I think.
0: Okay, great. I will make sure to at least put your email yeah. down uh, in the podcast notes, and so that way people can yeah. They can yeah get a hold yeah. of you. So all right, well that kind of is our time. We're we're having to move forward. I think we each have evening plans. But Ben, thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you for your time. Thank you for the great conversation. Uh, Man, just thank you for being you. Uh, You mentioned at the beginning of this episode that I've been a blessing to you, but I mean, at the very least it's mutual. (laughs) And so very thankful for your friendship and I'm excited to kind of see what where the Lord, where life takes us from here. Yeah. So, well, likewise, man. Thanks a lot. You're out. It's been, You're welcome. Been great being yeah. on here. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right, my friends, brothers, and sisters, may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.